pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start reading with the 13th verse, I'll be reading in the New King James Version, hallelujah, thank you Jesus. This is uh, Jesus speaking, if you have one of those red letter Bibles, this will all be in red, the whole dissertation this morning. We're going to read from the 13th verse through the 27th verse, and then we're going to break it down. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And great was its fall. You know, in today's culture, there is a lot of deception going on. People are being deceived by a lot of things like fake politicians and fake news and disingenuous doctors and scientists and salespeople and telemarketers, and the list goes on and on. And, uh, you know, let me just say this about culture before I go any further. We are never to allow culture to dictate to us what we're to preach or teach in the church. Not just this church, but any church. Culture comes and goes. Culture changes. But the Word of God never changes. Therefore, it's not our job to acknowledge culture in the church. It's not our job to teach culture in the church. 
If you want to learn culture, if you want your family to learn culture, then you as parents or those that are responsible need to be the ones that teach the culture of your nation, teach the culture of your uh, nationality or whatever it is that culture you come from. If that's important to you, then you teach it. That's not my job. My job is to teach the Word of God regardless of the culture that we're living in. Do you know how many cultures are sitting in this church right now? I couldn't possibly keep up with all of them. So I'm going to stick to the Word of God. Amen? So anyway, you know, as much as it pains me to say this, the list doesn't stop with those, the telemarketers and the salespeople and the scientists and the fake news media and the fake politicians. It doesn't stop with them. We have the same problem in the church. And there are false prophets, Jesus warned us about them, deceptive people, fake pastors, fake apostles, evangelists, and teachers that are preaching and teaching false or fake doctrines. And as a result, we have fake Christianity and fake Christians. And that's what I want to address this morning. This is not a popular message. As a matter of fact, if we were on Facebook Live right now, I probably wouldn't be able to say the things that I'm about to say because we would definitely get censored or cut off. And even if it goes to YouTube and somebody cuts us off there, then so be it. I'm still going to say it to you because I'm responsible for you. Amen? So most of our Christianity in this country today is not based on the Word of God anymore or even solid biblical doctrine, but it's based on the culture that we live in, and that's wrong. We have allowed our culture to alter our teaching and our preaching and even our beliefs in the church, and that's wrong. We've allowed political correctness to override biblical correctness. We have allowed woke culture and cancel culture to influence our preaching And as a result, we have welcomed and accepted sins into the church that we should have never allowed into the church. I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about sin. And there are things we will not preach because we're afraid we will get canceled. There's things that we won't teach because uh, we're afraid that somebody will censor us. We're afraid that we'll offend somebody. And that's one of the reasons we're not doing Facebook Live anymore. And the church has welcomed and embraced the LGBTQ movement and same-sex marriage as an accepted lifestyle. And we have failed to address properly the issues of divorce, abortion, inappropriate dress, racism, carnality, fornication, pornography, and everything else that is condemned by the Word of God for fear of offending someone And being canceled, being accused of not being woke, being accused of being a homophobic, being accused of being a racist. And I don't worry about that anymore. I'm going to preach the truth. I'm going to preach the word of God because I love you enough to do it. And like I said, if this was on Facebook Live right now, it would probably be cut off or censored. And they would say I'm promoting hate and I should be preaching love and acceptance instead. Oh, police, let me say this. God will not accept your sin, and I can't accept it either. For that reason, I cannot accept it. 
I don't care who you are, who you think you are. God will never accept your sin or anybody else's. He hates sin so much that he killed his only son over it. Now, God may love and accept you, but he will never accept or tolerate our sin. Never. So don't talk to me about love and acceptance or tell me I need to be more tolerant. God hates these things. And if I'm preaching hate because God hates them, then so be it. Because if that makes me a, a hate monger or makes me somebody that doesn't preach love or acceptance, then I'm in the same category as God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost because they ain't preaching it either. God gave us a new nature when we were born again, and we shouldn't want to sin anymore. We should never say something that is not sin that God says is sin. We should never call good evil or evil good. And that's exactly what's happening in our culture today. That's exactly what's happening outside these doors right now is evil is being called good and good is being called evil. And they are accepting things that God will never accept in the church. Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That old sin nature is what passed away, but you keep resurrecting it, usually right in time for the weekend. And that is not acceptable to God. You don't want to change, so you expect God to change. You expect the word to change. You expect the church to change just so you don't have to change. And God ain't changing for you or me or anybody else. The word is not changing. The Holy Ghost is not changing for anybody. Amen? Because when you continue to do that and you don't change, you continue to live your sinful lifestyle, that is the fake Christianity that I'm talking about this morning. It is a fake Christianity. It's a fake salvation. Amen. I knew this wasn't going to be popular this morning, but I've been, I've been penned up for a long time. I've been restricted for a long time, and I'm just going to cut it loose this morning. Is that all right? And what bothers me the most about all of this is the number of people that are going to hell because they think they're saved when they're not. And this is something that must be addressed in the church, and I love you enough to address it in this church. Christianity is the most prevalent religion in the United States today. Yes, there's plenty of other religions, but Christianity is by far the most prevalent. And 65% of polled Americans, adults, identified themselves as Christians. Now, in 1980, it was over 85% of the adults in this country identified as Christians. And that tells us that Christianity in this country is on a rapid decline. Yes. And of those 65%, only about 45% attend church on a regular basis. But more of them will say they attend church, even if it's only once or twice a year. Uh-huh. These same people that say they're Christians and believe they're going to heaven, they look like the world, they act like the world, they dress like the world, listen to the same music, use alcohol, smoke weed, do drugs, and are addicted to porn. 
They commit adultery and fornication. They lie, cheat, and steal, but they call themselves a Christian and that they think that they're on their way to heaven. And I'm here to wake them people up this morning, especially if they're sitting in this church. Galatians chapter 6 tells us, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And then he says, For he who sows to his own flesh, the lower nature, sensuality, will from the flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction, but he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And I want to make sure that you're sowing to the Spirit and not to the flesh. Because those that sow to the flesh are on the wrong path. They're not on the narrow path, the difficult path that leads to life. They're on the broad way that leads to destruction. And they might think they're on their way to heaven, but they're not. They're on the path that leads to hell. And again, I love you enough to tell you. And just like there are so many fake things in the world today, there's also a fake salvation, a fake Christianity. Most Christians believe they're saved because they said a prayer and they, or they claim to be a Christian. And some of them think they're Christians simply because they live in what is, we used to call a Christian nation. And I don't think that applies to this country anymore. I don't think we can call ourselves a Christian nation anymore. anymore. Even though there's 65% of the adults in this country claim to be Christians, I would say only half of them are probably real Christians. The rest are fake. The rest have experienced a fake salvation, if any salvation at all. And real salvation includes a turning away from sin. And this seems to be the part of salvation that we keep overlooking. We think all we got to do is say a magical prayer, and there's a formula in that prayer that saves us, and then we go back to living a sinful life just like we always have. There's no change in our life. That's fake salvation, fake Christianity. Real salvation includes a turning away from sin. You can't just say a prayer and call yourself a, a Christian and continue to live the way you're living. Your life should change on a daily basis if you really saved. Amen. And Christians have become so much like the world that it's hard to tell them apart anymore. There's just as many abortions among so-called Christians as there is among unbelievers. And here's the shocking part. There are actually pastors, ministries, and churches that support it. I could name them, but I won't. Not even since we're not on Facebook. I can name them. And for the most part, those churches are closed today because of COVID restrictions and because they would rather obey man than obey God. Your life should change when you're truly saved. In our country, nearly half of all pregnancies are unintentional. You can look this up just the same way I did. Just Google it. In our country, nearly half of all pregnancies are unintentional. And four out of every ten, 40% of those unintentional pregnancies end in surgical abortion. These are the statistics for surgical abortion 
registered doctors that have performed these abortions legally in this country. That's not counting all of those that took the pill or did, did it, uh, abortion at home, if you will, or, you know, abortion by mail. That's not even counting all those numbers. So it could be much more than just 40 percent. That's unacceptable in any culture. There are close to, like I said, 4,000 surgical abortions per day in this country alone. It's like it's more like 125,000 a day in the, the world itself. And again, like I said, this is a, ner- a nation that, is, that claims to be 65% Christian. And abortion to the, in this country has become another form of birth control. It's murder. Any way you look at it, it's the murder of an innocent baby. God hates it. And if you're really a Christian, you should hate it too. You should fight it with every fiber of your being. And we should love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates because that new nature that he put within us is his nature. Amen. Amen. And if you don't hate the things he hates, you still have your old nature that come from your old father, the devil. About half of the marriages in this country end in divorce, and that statistic holds true in the church. About 52% of marriages, and these are the ones we know of, the legal ones that got licenses, uh, 52% of those end in divorce. We're not even looking at the common law marriages or people that just simply live together and break up. We're looking at you know, so-called legal marriages in this country, 52% in in divorce, and it's the same statistics in the very church itself. And, and the, the, the same is true with immorality among so-called Christians, which includes things like fornication, adultery, porno- pornography, and that is equal to that of the unbeliever as well. So this church is in bad shape. Jesus said that there is a narrow path that we must walk. There is only one gate, one God, one way, one mediator between man and God, and he's, his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If we're following any other way, any other truth, any other life, we are on our way to hell. We need to realize what it costs Jesus to save us. It didn't come cheap. The prophet Isaiah tells us, and we, we've looked at this over the past couple of weeks during the Easter and Lent season, but Jesus was despised and rejected of men, acquainted with grief. He was disrespected, bore our griefs, and carried our sorrows, not his. He was wounded for our transgressions, our iniquities. He was bruised for our uh, peace and beaten for our healing. It was all for us. And it was God that bruised him, and the Bible says it pleased God to do it. It was God that put him to grief. It was God that made his soul an offering for our sin, because God said the wages of sin is death, and somebody has to pay it. And Jesus is the one who paid it. God's only son paid it for us. It was our sin he died for. So for us to continue doing the things that nailed him to the cross 
and think that we're still going to go to heaven is crazy. It's stupid crazy. The wrath and anger that God poured out on his only son should have been poured out on us because we're the ones that deserved it, not him. But Jesus stepped in and took our place, not so that we can sin, but so that we could be delivered from sin and not have to sin anymore. You know, grace is the only thing that kept God from pouring his wrath and his anger out on us, the ones who deserved it, the ones who sin, the ones who caused Christ to have to die for us and go to the cross. God should have poured it out on us, but grace is what stopped him from. But this is what you have to understand, that if grace can't keep you from sin, then grace can't save you from sin. If grace can't keep you from it, it can't save you from it. There's as much power in grace to keep you from sin as there was in grace to deliver us from sin and give us true salvation. Jesus said, enter in at the straight gate. It's not that we can't recognize it. It's easy to recognize. There's two gates. One is straight and narrow. One is broad and wide and probably not so straight. And we have a tendency to go through the broad gate because it's easier. And because, hey, that's the way the crowd is going. Let's follow the crowd. Jesus said, don't do that. Don't follow the crowd. Take the difficult way, the narrow way, the straight way. That's the right way. That's the way to righteousness. The other gate, the wide and broad gate, is the way that leads to destruction. And he said, many will be there that go in thereat. Many. Why? Because it's easier. Yes. That's what everybody else is doing. That's right. He said, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life, and few there be that find it. Mm. And it's not because they couldn't see it. It was easy to see. It was right there next to the broad gate. There's two gates, a narrow one and a broad one. And he tells us plainly, take the narrow one. You must enter at the straight gate. But then there's more to it than that. Once you've entered in through the narrow straight gate, many people take the broad way. They didn't go in the broad gate, but when they got in through the narrow gate, they seen how difficult it was going to be, and they decided, I'm going to take the broad way. Now, I entered the narrow gate, Lord. You saved me. So I don't have to walk this narrow path now. I can take the broad path, the easy path, the way everybody else is going. The fun path. Hallelujah. Amen. And too many people have entered in at the straight gate because they said the sinner's prayer. That's what got them in through the straight gate. But then they took the broad way to hell because they never repented. And they never changed their life. They never walked the path to righteousness. They walked the path to destruction and damnation. So you could be a fake Christian. You could have said the prayer and genuinely meant it in your heart, but without a a, a true repentance. And I'm not talking about a one-time repentance. I'm talking about daily repentance. Through that repentance, you walk the narrow path. And, and, you know, it's more than just saying that prayer. It's a progressive journey. 
You can't say a prayer and then live like you've always lived. Your life should be constantly changing, consistent to how much of the word that you're doing. You do a little word, your life changes a little. You do a lot of words, your life changes a lot. You say, I repented. That's great. I took a shower once. But that doesn't mean I should never take another one. I should take showers every day. If I don't, I'm going to stink. And if you don't repent every day, your life is going to stink. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's continued repentance that keeps us on the straight and narrow path. And when you're saved, it's a lifelong commitment. It's not just saying a prayer and then going back to life as usual. I'm on my way to heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, I've been saved for 20 years now. That's wonderful. I commend you for that. How much of those 20 years did you act like you were saved? How many of those 20 years did you live a saved life through repentance and staying on the narrow path? I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how, how you started out. I'm concerned with how you're going to finish and where you're going to end up. And if you're on that broad and wide path that leads to destruction, I want to get you to detour this morning and get back on the straight and narrow where you belong. And he said it's not an easy path. It's a difficult one. And that's the reason so many of us get off of the path. It's too difficult. It's too hard. There's too many things he expects of me. I'm tired of not having any fun. I'm tired of this and that and the other. Cry, cry, cry. Get back on the narrow path where you belong. Yeah. Suck it up, buttercup. Get, go, get going on that narrow path. Yeah. That's, That's where you belong. Yeah. We have to continue to repent on a daily basis if you want to stay on the narrow path. It's not just that the gate is straight and narrow, but the, he said the path is straight and narrow as well. So it's not just entering the gate. Yes, that's important. You've got to enter the gate. There's only one gate, like I said, one way, one man, one mediator, one God, one Holy Spirit. You have to enter in through the gate of the sheepfold. That's the only way to get into the kingdom of God. But then you have to make a decision. What road am I going to take? I entered in the straight gate, but now there's a fork. There's a wide road here and a narrow one here. And Jesus tells you, take the narrow one. I know it's more difficult, but take the narrow one. It leads to life. The other one leads to hell. If you said the prayer and you continue to live like the world, then what good is your salvation? What kind of salvation is that? What are you doing differently as a Christian that you didn't do when you were lost and living in the world? If there's no change and you're still living the same way, then I love you enough to tell you that you're probably really not saved and you're on the broad way that leads to destruction and hell. I'm not afraid to tell you that this morning. This was a stark reality for me as well. This has been brewing in me for a while now. I've seen this coming for a while now. We're too comfortable with our salvation. And, and you know what? <laughs> People are leaving churches because they're not telling them what they want to hear. And God said that people in the last days will have itchy ears. 
They're going to they're gonna find a preacher that will tell them what they want to hear. And don't get me wrong about this, but there's more to, these, to, to the salvation than uh, faith, healing, prosperity, and some of the other uh, doctrines that are going around in the church today. They are necessary. I believe wholeheartedly in all of them. I believe in faith. I believe in prosperity. I believe in healing. I believe in joy, uh, unspeakable and full of glory. I believe all these doctrines. But there's more to it than that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My wife just killed a wasp and saved the whole church. Hallelujah. (laughs) But if you've entered the straight and narrow gate and you're truly a Christian, then you will walk the narrow and straight path and live a life of righteousness. If you step off that path, then the Holy Ghost will correct you and get you back on the path. He said he would lead us and guide us into all truth. Let him be your guide. He knows when you make a a, a misstep. He knows when you get off the path because you're not going to realize it all the time. You're going to think you're doing just fine and you'll be walking down the broad way with everybody else and not even realize it. The Holy Ghost is going to grab you by the ear and bring you back to the straight path and say, straighten up. Get back on this path. But you've got to listen and you've got to obey. But the problem nowadays is that people are too immature to accept correction. They won't accept a reproof. They won't, especially won't accept a strong uh, rebuke. And, and as soon as you do try to correct somebody, you lost a friend. Well, let me tell you something. They weren't a friend in the beginning. Your true friend is the one that's not afraid to tell you the truth, even if it hurts your feelings. But we hear the truth, and we get offended by it. Yes. What are you talking? You don't know nothing about me. I can tell when the wheel is turning this way, the right way, and then all of a sudden it stops or starts going this way. I can tell that. I might not be able to know why it's turning the wrong way, but I know when it's turning the wrong way. That's right. Amen. I can tell when you're walking the straight and narrow, and I can tell when you're walking loose uh, and broad way. Yes. I don't have to know the reason why. As a friend, I could tell you, get back on the path. You're going the wrong way. You can't tell people the truth like you used to because they'll get offended. And most preachers are afraid to offend someone. But I love you enough to not only offend you, but tell you the truth. I really believe most of the church is in big trouble right now. Not just our church. The church in general is in trouble. Uh, you know, just based on some of the political views of a lot of the large churches right now, I could tell they're in trouble. I could tell that they're deceived. I could tell that there's some fake teaching and false prophets in the churches that are teaching people uh, fake doctrines and false doctrines that's causing them to think they're saved when they're not. And somebody needs to point that out. It's not me. I'm not saying it's me. I mean, the 25 or 30 people that will reach on YouTube or whatever, I ain't going to scare nobody, but I'm going to tell you. 
I'm going to tell you about it. When you think abortion is acceptable or same-sex marriage is acceptable or sin of any kind is acceptable, then the moral compass of that church is gone haywire and it needs to be recalibrated. When you think you love something that God hates, when you think it's okay to conform to man's laws and violate God's laws, then you're deceived and you might not even be saved. Man can call these laws or these things like same-sex marriage and abortion. It's legal. They can call it legal all they want. But it will never be legal with God. And it should never be legal in the church or in the heart or mind of any real Christian. It should never be legal. Let the government call it legal. If God says it's illegal, it's illegal. When you step off that path, the Holy Ghost will get a hold of you and lead you back to the path. He will not allow you to act like the world talk like the world, dress like the world, do the things that the world, watch the things that the world is watching, listening to the things that the world is listening to. He'll not let you do that without warning you, without trying to get you on the, on the right path. But even when he does, you have to obey and you have to listen and do what he says. He can't make you, but he will not let you go astray without telling you you're going astray. He will reprove you. The Holy Ghost will make a difference in your life if you will obey him and listen to him. He'll make a difference. And I'll go on to say this much. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled to overflowing. Not just the measure you got at salvation or the new birth, but you need to be filled and empowered with him or you will never walk this straight and narrow path. You need his help in order to do it. Because you're going you're gonna to venture into areas that you've never been before. And you're going to see things that you've never seen before, that you're not trained for, that you're not equipped to handle, that you're not ready to handle. And he will get you through it if you listen to him. Amen. How will you know if someone is a genuine Christian? How will you know if you're a genuine Christian and you're not a fake Christian experiencing fake salvation? How do you know? Thank God Jesus tells us in verse 16. He says, you will know them by their fruits. And then he asks us a question. And I could see him just sitting down and being real casual about it. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And I can see the disciples saying, well, of course not, Lord. You know you don't get grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. He says, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. How often? All the time, every time. Never changes. Good trees bear good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. And you have enough discernment to tell if it's good or bad fruit. And then he says, further, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So you have the tree in front of you, you have the fruit it's producing, 
it should be easy for you to tell if it's good or bad. If you look like the world, act like the world, listen to the same music as the world, dress, talk, walk, how is it possible that you claim you had an encounter with God, but it hasn't changed you? How can you have an encounter with God and not be changed? It's impossible. That would be like you saying you were hit by a train head on and the train was do had a thousand boxcars and was doing 120 miles an hour. It ran you slap over and it didn't change you. If they could find you, they would notice that you were changed permanently. I mean, there is no way you could have had an encounter with something that big and that powerful without incurring significant permanent change. In this case, all bad. Amen. Well, God is way bigger and more powerful than any force on this earth, including that big train doing 120 miles an hour. So you can't tell me that you had an encounter with this big God and he didn't change you. That encounter didn't change you permanently it should have changed you permanently yes, amen. if it was a real encounter yes. amen. how will i know if god's working in your life how will i know if god is working in my life mm -hmm. i'll know by the fruits that i'm producing the fruits that you're producing Jesus said, every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, by their works, you will know them. And this is not about works, but works and fruits are interchangeable. You know, you, your works is the fruit you're producing. The fruit you're producing is your works. It's the things that you're doing with your hands and your body and your life. That's your fruits. What are you producing? Jesus is talking about judgment and punishment that is coming upon not just the world, but upon every fake Christian, every one that has experienced a fake salvation and being cut down or cut off and thrown into the fire is being judged and put into hell for your fruits. You're a bad tree. And then in verse 21, he says, not everyone who says to me, not just Lord, but Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So who's the one that's saved? Who's the real Christian? Who's the one that knows Jesus? The one that does the will of his Father, which is in heaven. That's how I could tell. And the only way you can tell for sure if you're born again, if you're a real Christian, is if you do, as an everyday lifestyle, the will of the Father. Every day. Every day. It's a lifestyle. It's not something you do when you say a prayer. It's not something you do once in a while. It's not just uh, going to church once in a while. It's doing the will of the Father. And His will is for you to be in church physically Every time the doors is open, that's his will. Yes, it is. He says, fail not to assemble yourselves together. Yes. So the only way you can tell for sure if you're born again and you're a real Christian is if you do the will of the Father every day as a lifestyle. 
Not everyone that professes to be a Christian is a Christian. They can act like a Christian, talk like a Christian, go to church like a Christian, sing Christian songs, claim to be a Christian, say the prayer over and over again, but it doesn't mean they're saved. It doesn't mean they're a real Christian. Verse 22 says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? Didn't we look, talk, act like a Christian? And then Jesus says to them, I never even knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You who lives as though God never gave you a law to obey. That's what one translation says. You're living as though God never gave you a law to obey. I love the way the Message Bible puts it. He says, knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message, we bashed the demons, our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking, and do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important you don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. That goes for every ministry that built themselves up on the attributes of God. They took their name and built it on his name, but they grew their ministry and their churches larger and bigger than God. That's who he's talking to. He says, you're out of here. I don't even know you. And I realize it's important that we know Jesus, but what's more important and what counts the most is that Jesus knows you. One minister said this. He said, I can go up to the White House, be stopped by the guard at the barbed wire fence, and tell him that I know President Biden, but that won't get me into the White House. But if President Biden comes out to the gate where I'm at and tells the guard that he knows me, that will get me in the house. It's the same thing with Jesus. You can know him and it counts a little, but it counts so much more when he knows you. That's the important part. That's what's going to get you in heaven. There's going to be a lot of people crying, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in your name, bashed demons in your name? Have we not did things in your name? He says, I don't know you. Never knew you. Depart from me. It's not who you know. It's who he knows. Amen. You better know that he knows you. Amen? Amen? So it's more than just saying Jesus is Lord. He made that clear here. It's doing the will of the Father who is in heaven. Is your life in the process of change? That's the question. Is your life in the process of change every day? Every day it should be changing. If you're walking that narrow path, your life is changing every day. 
If it's not changing, you either stopped and sat down on the narrow path or you crossed over to the broad path. But as soon as you get back on the narrow path, when the Holy Ghost grabs you by the ear and brings you back to the narrow path, gives you a kick in your little seat and gets you walking again, you start seeing change in your life again. Amen. Hallelujah. Then he says in verse 24, therefore, and you know, a lot of people think we pre I preach this by itself. Brother Darrell, I'm sure, preached it by itself. Every preacher in the world that's worth his salt has preached this verse 24 through 27 about the two houses and the two men. Yeah. And they preached it from the standpoint that both were saved and just one did uh, built his on the foundation of the word, the other one didn't. And that's a good analogy. I preached it myself, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. And you think, well, this ain't even got nothing to do with straight and narrow gates and everything Jesus talked about. Then why did he start to, verse 24 with therefore? And Brother Hagin said, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you better find out what it's there for. And that therefore connects everything he said about the narrow and straight gate and the broad gate and the wide way. It, it connects all of that with what he's going to wrap it up with right here. And he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Not a rock, the rock. And, and he's saying that. It's talking about being a doer of the word. If you're a doer of the word, I'll show you what you're like. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, this is somebody that is not a doer of the word. This is somebody that is not... Doing the will of the Father, because the will of the Father is his word. The word of God is the will of the Father. So he who is not doing it will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. In other words, it was completely destroyed. So now this is the interpretation of everything we studied this morning. This is what you got to get. There's two gates, two paths, two trees, a good tree that bears good fruit that will get you to heaven, and a bad tree that bears bad fruit that will cause you to go to hell because it's going to get cut down and thrown in the fire. Yeah. There are those who profess Jesus as Lord and do the will of the Father, then there are those who profess Jesus as Lord and do not the will of the Father, who will also be cast out because he will say he didn't know them. And so the people that are building these two houses are not two Christians like we've taught and thought all these years. These builders represent a saved person and a lost person. The saved, genuine Christian who experienced genuine salvation is doing the will of the Father built on the foundation of his will, which is the word of God. 
The other one is not doing the will of the Father. If he is a Christian, it's fake Christianity. If he was saved, it's a fake salvation, a false salvation. And he's working his way towards hell because he never got on the narrow path and stayed there. So the foundation is, is the word of God. There's no doubt about it. But here's the question. Are you building your marriage on that foundation? Are you building your marriage on the word of God? Are you raising your children on that foundation that was laid, the word of God? Are you building your finances on the word of God? Are you building your faith on the word of God? That's the difference between the saved person and the lost person, the Christian and the fake Christian, is one is doing the will of the Father in every area of his life. And if you're doing that in every area of your life, and it's all a part of this house that you built on that foundation, then no part of it is going to be destroyed. Nothing destroyed that house. There wasn't nothing in the house destroyed. He didn't lose his roof. He didn't lose any windows, no broken glass. Nothing happened to that house. But the one who didn't build his house on the will of God or the word of God, that's why this parable or this story is connected to everything else Jesus said because the one who didn't do that is on the broad path, the broad way, and he's on his way to destruction. That's just part of it, and he's on his way to hell if he don't get onto the straight and narrow path. And if he's not saved, then before he can get on the straight and narrow path, he has to enter in through the straight and narrow gate. I know this is not what you want to hear this morning. I know this is a hard word, but it has to be preached because this is what I'm seeing going on in the church. And I'll be ding dong danged if I'm going to let it come into this church. It's not going to happen. Amen. It's not going to come into this church. I ain't afraid of y'all. The lost man hears the word of God preached. In other words, he knows the will of the Father, but he lays no foundation. There's no evidence in his life that the word of God or his relationship with Jesus Christ is real or if, or if his life is changing or if he's forming his life based on the will of God. No indication of that, no evidence of that. But these are people that aren't really saved and don't know it. And the reason they don't know it is because of politically correct preaching, seeker-friendly preaching that never offends, never wants to hurt somebody's feelings, never wants to tell them the truth for fear that they will leave them or for fear that they will get into cancel culture uh, limelight and get canceled. Uh, it, it, they they won't preach it because it will it might affect their popularity and the growth of their ministry. But look around. I don't have nothing to lose, so you know I'm telling you the truth. Amen. I'm not going to have you say the sinner's prayer again today. This I mean this would end beautifully with everybody getting saved today and saying the sinner's prayer. And don't get me wrong, now, I'm not minimizing. It is necessary. Paul said you have to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. It is necessary. That's what gets you through the gate. Yeah. I know everyone in here entered in through the narrow gate. Yeah. I know you did. Yeah. But I don't know what path you're on for sure. Right. Only you know that in God. Right. 
And if you're on the wrong path, only you can correct that. I can't help you there. I can't get you on the right path. You have to get on the right path yourself. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost has got your ear right now. If you're not on the right path, he's got your ear right now, and he's pulling on it. That's what Brenda's mama used to do, Pastor's mama. She grabbed her children by the ear, boy. And I ain't just talking about a little yank. I'm talking about she stretched that ear. If she let it go, it was slap and silly. That's what the Holy Ghost is doing. He's got your ear right now. He's stretching it towards the straight and narrow path. Because, like I said, not minimizing that prayer, it was necessary. But that ain't what gets you to heaven. It's faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. And if you have faith in Jesus Christ and him alone, you will want to walk that narrow path. You will want to know when your foot strays from that path. And the Holy Ghost will be there to tell you. Hallelujah. So I'm not going to have you say the sinner's prayer, but what I'm going to ask you to do is, is meditate on what you heard today. Really meditate on it. Go over it and over it in your heart. When Brother Darrell posts it, listen to the message again. I want you to examine yourself today like you've never examined yourself before and come to your own conclusion as to whether or not you're really saved or as to whether or not you're really a Christian or did you experience a fake salvation that didn't change your life. And remember what I said about that train. You can't tell me you had an encounter with that big train and didn't change. And you also can't tell me you had an encounter with a big God that didn't change you. If you're real, there'll be change in your life. It'll be evident in the fruit that you're bearing. Just want you to look at yourselves this morning. I looked at myself. And I had some rotten fruit on the vine. But thank God I had some good fruit. But I'm telling you, I'm pruning that vine. I'm pruning that bad fruit off. I'm getting it out. I'm going to make sure that ain't nothing about me fake. Ain't nothing about my Christianity or my salvation fake. And I want the same thing for you. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you. God, I pray I delivered it the way that you gave it to me. I pray that I delivered it with the same amount of conviction that I felt when I first encountered it. When I first realized that it's possible that I wasn't walking the straight and narrow like I should. I know I entered the straight gate. Like these in here know they entered the straight gate, but did they stay on the straight and narrow path? Did I stay on the straight and narrow path? I now know. And I made the necessary corrections. And that's my prayer for everyone in here, Lord. If they realize they weren't on the straight and narrow, I pray that they get the conviction of the Holy Ghost. And he shows them where they went astray. And they get that corrected in the name of Jesus. And start walking once again on that straight and narrow. Start seeing change in their life every day. More righteousness in their life. Less less unrighteousness in their life. And that's the way they'll know when they're walking that path. They'll be walking out righteousness. They'll be walking in righteousness. They'll be experiencing things that they haven't experienced in years. And it's because they either either sat on the bench on the sideline or they veered off and got on the wrong path. But either way, Lord, we want them corrected. We want them on the right path. We want them 
moving again in Jesus' name. We thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.